Welcome to episode 33 of the Triple Takeover Toycast, the fortnightly podcast about vintage and modern Transformers, as well as other toy lines from the 80s and 90s. If you're getting a strong sense of deja vu, it's because we've been here before. Everyone makes mistakes, but every eBay auction is a chance to right those wrongs. I might say goodbye to them weekly, but they always find their way back into my life. It's my capable co-hosts. First up, a man whose drunk alter ego does his purposeful purchasing for him. He's freshly promoted. He's Premier League. It's Liam from Toybox Soapbox. Come on, you Reds. That's Man United, isn't it, Liam? No, you <laughs> get away from me with this. It's the glorious Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I thought about calling you the Sheriff of Nottingham during the <laughs> intro. That's too on the nose. Just come in like Blue the Bear. Alongside him, it's the man who refills his toy cabinets faster than he can empty them for a cross-country move. It's Meme Supreme. He puts the dream in team. It's 6-0 from 6-0. Wow. And I'm Maz from TF Square One. This time out, we're all about the repurchasing of previously sold toys, a topic that's never been far from this podcast. You think you've suffered the triple takeover effect? Well, spare a thought for us. What's shaking, lads? Very nice work, mate. Fair to say it's on point as well. Even though you tired me with the brush of being a Manchester United fan. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I don't think I'm forgetting say, that in a hurry. How's the repurchasing going, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nottingham Forest have just repurchased their place in the Premier League, so good times yeah. are being had. Yeah, it all looked like a bit of a fix, to be honest, that, uh, oh, that playoff. No. <laughs> good refereeing, fantastic. VAR, oh, always loved it. Always Moving loved it. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all football fan six, though. So. Yeah, yeah, don't get him started, honestly. Yeah. It'd be a bloody football podcast if you let, let him have his way. Six, so they're coming in with a tackle. Yeah, you guys wouldn't have noticed, but he had his, uh, he had his hat on earlier, his jingly, jingly hat, which... Uh, Ideal for recording a yeah, podcast. Placed them at the scene of the crime as well. Absolutely. <laughs> How long know. was your lunch break today, by the way? Just to <laughs> pop out downtown, meet a few mates. Right in the middle of the square with all the celebrating and the fireworks. Just texting them like, yeah, I'm, I'm all way back. I would imagine half your office was there, weren't they? Yeah. No, I just walked past someone who I thought I worked with, but it turns out I don't at all. They're from college. I said hello, and it took me ages to work out who it was. I'm still a bit high on last night. I haven't slept. I don't think. I don't remember. Well, I was actually thinking maybe we would benefit in this episode if we had Drunk Liam come on, because Drunk Liam would actually have more to say about the purchasing of toys. Drunk Liam controls the purse strings, it's fair to say. He's the one in charge. He is the worst person for this episode, because Drunk Liam would then be buying lots of stuff from this episode. I need to be the best person for it. You know, Sober Liam's the one that makes the money, Drunk Liam spends it. Yeah. Yeah, he, and he then definitely... Liam sells things, yeah. and then right. Drunk Liam repurchases, Re- repurchases them. Yeah. it. Exactly, it's the cycle of life. I can confirm, Drunk Liam <laughs> definitely spent a lot of money last night on McDonald's randomly. Well, okay, is that Drunk Liam or is that Sober Liam? Because I just reckon you should check your like inbox in case any toy purchases were made. You know, out of celebration. I thought I had because I saw a PayPal notification this morning. And uh, did you pay for your McDonald's with PayPal? Yeah. <laughs> but I saw it and I was like, oh my God, no. And then I saw like a message from eBay and I was like, oh no, no. What have I bought? Did you buy a McDonald's off eBay? No. It... Oddly, I'm buying a vintage Big Mac, probably. No, it's the magic of Uber Eats. But I woke up surrounded by about five veggie burgers this morning, really confused. Well, are you ready for breakfast? Yeah. Which was pizza and a beer. <laughs> that was yesterday. Today's was six, <laughs> six hash browns and a gallon of Coke. Do you know, honestly, when you make those tweets about what you've had for breakfast, I call in my daughter and my wife like, guys, guys, come look what he's had today. And it's just become <laughs> a thing in our home. where we, we, I would happily sit through an account of what does Liam eat? Breakfast, <laughs> lunch, dinner. I'm here for it. If you're going to do it, I'm here for it. We all are. You're sounding like Gillian McKeith now, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pretend I know who that is. Oh, uh, she's the poo woman. What? 
She's the she's the poo investigator. You know, she she was she became famous on TV years ago, and then I think she did um, what's it called, old celebrity, get me out of here, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, she was the woman. She's crazy. She pretends to be a doctor, but she's not a doctor. Uh, and she like goes through people's poo yeah. and then analyzes what they've eaten. Look, I'm already the toilet guy. Don't make me the poo guy. <laughs> Please. I'm running on fumes. I don't think I've slept in God knows how days. I don't, I don't want to come out of this being the poo guy. <laughs> toilet box poo box. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, at least he didn't say shit box, did he? Yeah, shit box. <laughs> shit box. Shit box. <laughs> oh, God, I'm crying. That's, that's uh, going to be my new name now. I'm having t-shirts made if we speak. <laughs> Starting off on track as usual. Oh. Yep. Right. Um, don't know why they're still doing it, but we are sponsored by TF Source, aren't we? Six, so. We are indeed. Yeah, we're sponsored by TF Source. Um, gotta love them. They are, what was I going to say about TF Source? They are your one stop shop for Transformers and third party. And All you need covered. And Diaclone, because we've done a Diaclone episode now. And uh, my God, they've got some nice, uh, some nice Diaclone on there. Assuming well, they used to. I was going to say, was that, was that <laughs> before or after you guys? Some, there's still some. Uh, you know, but, um, someone actually said to me this week, they said, oh, I was going to buy DA 75 and 76, but I went to buy them and I looked today and they're sold out. I was like, yeah, I may know someone who could be responsible for buying those of TF Source. Who's that then? Who's oh, that? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you yeah. Later. All right. You got okay. there first. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, the, yeah, go, go check them out. TFSource.com. They're pretty good. They've got loads of stuff, toys. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Take a look. And of course, we have our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash triple takeover, where you can hear more of what you just heard. <laughs> you know, we let loose a bit more on there behind the paywall. But yes, you can do everything from ask questions on the pod. You can get a shout out for being a six hours butler, as well as commission mini so topics, which we will then create and you have access to. You can get early access to episodes and you might be getting early access to this one as well. And if you just can't get enough triple takeover, Another Forest reference in there. Was it? Yeah. It's that I Depeche Mode song, isn't it? Yeah. It's a proper Forest anthem this year. Uh, but is that a football thing? It is now. Don't, don't tell me. Tri- I don't mind. It's fine. I'll send you 50 videos later of me singing. No, no, no. Wrong. Please don't. <laughs> I'll just look at your Twitter feed, mate, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, if you want more Triple Takeover stuff, you can get all sorts of fantastic merchandise over at our Rebel store at rebel.com forward slash people forward slash Triple Takeover forward slash explore. So today's topic is repurchasing toys. Uh, and like I mentioned in the intro, we've had a lot of people blame us for purchases, things they've sold in the past maybe that they've repurchased and they call it the triple takeover effect. Literally a week does not go by where I don't get tagged saying I blame TF Square One or triple takeover for this purchase. But what they don't understand is that we are doing it to ourselves in an exponential fashion here. Like every episode just ends up being another thing added to my personal list of things I, I want to buy. And in a lot of cases, it's been repurchasing. I even ended up writing an article about it last week. It just got to the point where it was dominating my collecting. Have you experienced anything similar because of this podcast? No, no. Why am I asking? I know the answer. <laughs> not, not, no, not at all. No, it's completely new on to me now. Of course, you have. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Just look at blooming vinyl tech and all of that. Do you know what I mean? That's like the ultimate example, I think, of the... 
we've we've talked about it a few times, obviously, but the Biontech effect from that episode was palpable. Yeah. I think it was halfway through the recording, just the sudden desire to see some of those toys in hand again mm. was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can pinpoint the moment on episode 31 where it happened to you with Diaclone as well. It's like, it's that bloody podcast, bloody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was your moment where I was I like, recall that's that it. He's, he's in. He's in. Yeah. And and lo and behold, you know, I might have a couple of, I, I did say maybe a cheeky Waruda, and there is there is a cheeky Waruda on the way. Mm. Um, but say la vie, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? These, these, that's sometimes how it is. And I don't know, like at one point I did collect very much within a sort of set series of lines and somewhere along the line that got blurred a little bit and this podcast has probably blurred it a bit more. But I get the impression Liam finds himself a little bit more immune to this sort of thing. Yeah, but I've really enjoyed watching you guys crumble with every episode. It's been fantastic. Has it not tempted you at all, though, to pick up things you've sold before? Like I, I heard you. I mean, you've done it. You've bought a Superfire Convoy again, or yeah. R.I.D. Optimus Prime. That was the one. But I think that's it, really. Obviously, landfill and all the other things. Did I own a landfill before? I can't remember. Oh, that's a good question, actually. I think or is I that did. a new one? Yeah, no, I think that was a new one on me. I think it's one I'd experienced, okay. but never owned. I guess if we're specifically talking stuff that, yeah, you've yeah. owned once and then kind of bringing back, then yeah, that's that's a very specific yeah. thing. No, for me, it's been mostly new toys. But I know you want to own Rail Racer again. I know that's yes. one that, given the opportunity, you would go in for that again. Yeah, but even with that, it's not that I wouldn't like to own it. It's that it's in a price range where I just, I'm not interested in it. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not that I think it's too expensive. It's just away from how much I would want to own it again. Yeah. Okay. So so is it a case that you, you would like to have these toys again, but only if they fall within a certain affordable range where then you can justify having that experience again? Uh, I don't know, because with a lot of them, I've, I feel like the memory of them is enough for me. At some point, you sort of move on. And then with this podcast, it's mostly been the stuff I haven't owned that I've been more interested in learning about mm-hmm. from you guys. That's where my interest has mostly gone. Whereas with the stuff mm-hmm. I've already owned, I already buy a lot of G1 anyway, and I owned most of that as a kid. So that's been, you know, about it. Also... Is it not true that in the last couple of weeks you kind of half looked into getting a Diaclone Die Battles again as well? Yes, that, that was the one from that toy line I'd like to get again because it's that, that's like the icon of that toy line. It's like the Optimus Prime to me of, of mm. that Diaclone toy line. And it's just a very special toy. But again, it's far, far outside of my reach. But okay, I posted that article last week and I talked about repurchasing. And one of the, res- actually, not just one person, more than one person said to me, No, I don't repurchase toys because I never sell them. Once they enter the collection, mm. they never leave. And I get two reactions to this in- inside my head. One of them is I feel a little bit of maybe not shame, but regret that I was in a situation where I felt like I needed to sell toys. And if I'd gotten to the point like Liam where I'd gotten over it and I'd moved on, I would never repurchase them regardless of financial situation. Once it's gone, it's gone because I don't want it anymore. Mm. But obviously they were being sold for a reason other than a lack of appreciation. And I said that last time out or time before last with uh, Diaclone. I never stopped appreciating them. It just felt like for other circumstances and reasons they needed to go, maybe to afford something else. So the first thing that goes through my mind is, should I feel a little bit of shame and regret and a little bit of, I should have done better to be able to hold on to that thing I knew I'd want to purchase again. Great example is that white battle buffalo, buffalo mozzarella guy. Because I had it in my home not six months ago and I was debating opening it. Then I let it go and I used the money to buy probably car robots. And then here I am now looking for it, being like, wow, I let that go cheap because nobody asked for it. One person was interested or two people and then they took it at a discounted price. Now I can't find it for love nor money and it's twice what I sold it for. 
and I'm desperate to own it again now. Uh, and the other thing that goes through my mind is, wow, how privileged must some people be to own 10,000 Transformers toys and never need to sell one? How big is the house? Well, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, they had created a graphic <laughs> with rules. That was the most impressive why. part of that whole thing. Yeah. Was The first thing my eyes clocked was, they've made a graphic for this. I think it's, I don't think there's any shame to be had though, man. Honestly, like, yeah. it happens. Do you know what I mean? You sell stuff, you buy stuff. It's just the mm. sort of nature of it, isn't it? And clearly, you know, whatever it was at the time, whether it was financial decisions, which certainly there's no shame in that, uh, you know, or if it was some other reason, th- there was a reason at the time. Hmm. And that's good enough. You know, it doesn't need to be kind of explained any more than that. Certainly no no shame to be felt about it. Uh, I do know what you mean, because I've had things where, you know, I- I've moved something on and then fairly quickly I've been like, why did I do that? You know, that was a very silly decision. Feral Rex was a big one for me that, you know, I, I remember palpably packing that up to post it off to the person that had bought it from me. And even as I was packing it up, I had this major sense of regret of just like, what, why, why am I selling this? You know, it's like such a, an amazing thing. And lo and behold, it's back. Couldn't be happier. And, and when I got the new copy, there was a real feeling of just like, this is great. This is so good. Like, I'm just thrilled to have this back again. Rediscovery. So, yeah, exactly. And and I don't know, maybe it is a slight feeling of like, a wrong has been righted to some extent. But I don't feel, and I certainly don't feel that there should be that feeling of like, you know, shame or embarrassment or whatever, having made that decision originally, because there was a reason that I made it at the time. Yeah. And I think I said on a previous episode, you know, with that one specifically, it was because I think at the time I was trying to just downsize a touch and the rationalization was about characters because it's kind of, you know, in the sphere of masterpiece collecting, you know, it's like you don't need so many Predakings, you know, and I had another one of the Predakings. It's like, well, I can move this one on now. It's in the wrong scale or whatever else. But I think one thing this podcast has taught me is that actually sometimes that logic or those lines or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You know, this is all just about great toys at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what the hobby is about. And something like Feral Rex is a good example. It doesn't need to fit into a box. It doesn't need to fit a logic. It's just a fabulous toy. So actually, yeah, I moved it on. Now I have it again. I'm really happy for that. But, you know, logic changes over time, doesn't it? Does it feel different owning it now? Do you appreciate different things about it with all the years that have passed and the other toys you've owned and you being older and yeah. maybe a different person to when you first owned it and what the fandom was like then why you bought it in the first place? Does it feel different now? Uh, it definitely does. I think, yeah. And I think that to, to some extent, that's probably the same as how we look back on, I know it's not quite the same, but you know the same logic of how we look back on stuff like G1 or you know Unicron Trilogy or anything that's kind of now in the past as it were. And I think the difference for this one specifically is just that at that point when I moved it on, you know, there was this big feeling of like scale and masterpiece scale, you know, and like and everything was kind of going in that direction. And things have evolved a little bit since then, I think. And that is that doesn't feel like such a prevalent or overriding um need certainly in my collection you know and i feel like i'm better able to just appreciate certain individual toys for what they are based on their own merit now and that is a great example of one so i don't i don't i I suppose what i'm saying is i don't feel this pressure anymore to have it fit in anywhere it could just be its own thing because i have so so many of those sorts of things now that it's like hey do you know what i mean it doesn't matter And, and through this one thing we do is we are talking about stuff for many hours aren't we lots of different things. And we're revisiting these things through emotions, memories and things in a way you wouldn't if you 
if we weren't doing this. Like there are toys I would probably never even think of again that we've spoken about at great length and have been back and thought about them in a completely different way. Just being like, wow, I remember that. That was great. And I think that as well fuels this like switch to moving away from having maybe like a clear idea of what you're collecting and being specific to, I'll just have one of those because I remember how that felt. I don't need the whole line because we've moved on from this time now, but I'd like how that made me feel. And I've enjoyed talking about that. So you can treat it as this separate thing to you now, if that makes sense, rather than what it was when you first had it. I think that's absolutely key, that whole. uh, And I think when we used to do more pub meets, we used to experience this a bit more as well. And I know that those pub meets influenced my toy buying. If someone would bring it to the pub or we talk about something all night. And, and that's what TFN is like as well. You sit around, you talk about toys you like, and people walk away with that, with emotions and they're influenced and it rekindles feelings that they have in themselves. And there is just so much product now compared to 20 years ago, 10 years ago, that you can lose sight of some things that you like because you become focused and obsessed with something else entirely. I've become so obsessed with Diaclone in the last two weeks again that I've almost forgotten about my car robot searches. There was still a couple of choice pieces I wanted to pick up for that line. And imagine if, I imagine if we did like another chat about car robots, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and pick up those things I haven't gotten yet. And that's just how it is. I think that's how it started with Vinyl Tech. And it's typical of us to bring up these topics. Classics was another great example for me. I just went and bought all those classics molds I used to have. Prime, Jetfire, Rodimus, Mirage. Just wanted to have them again. Wanted to, because I'm a different collector now. I'm a different content creator now than I was 10 years ago. Having them now means something completely different. I've gone and bought two Superlink toys. Doesn't mean anything to the rest of my collection, but I think they're going to be good toys and they're going to be fun. I'm going to do some photographs. I'm going to enjoy sharing them on social media and talking about them, doing the photographs my way, sticking them with toys that no one would think they would be stuck with. And that's mm. going to be fun for me. Yeah, exactly. I think we can probably all agree, right, that the photography is probably a huge part of this as well. Because I know like when it comes to Diaclone, I know I said it at the time, and, and I think, Maz, you said it as well, that, you know, I do. I, I had kind of in my mind of like, what could I do with those toys now if I had them in hand again and everything I've learned since I previously owned them, you know, in terms of photography, in terms of what, you know, how I could make them look, what, what could I do? And I... I don't know. I've been having great fun so far with that. The photos are amazing. They are amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. fantastic. Well, I appreciate that greatly. The thing is, we didn't sell those toys all that long ago. No. It hasn't been that long since we let them go. So what guarantee or faith do we have that rebuying them now, we're not just going to go through the same cycle of emotions and ownership and then end up selling them again? Because we'd be like, we take photos that we love just like last time. We have them on our display that we love. We buy a few more than we originally thought we would. But then will we end up in the same place with it? Or are, are we doing it so differently now that we're only picking the absolute highlights with no low lights? So how is it going to be different this time? And why are we repurchasing them beyond just the enthusiasm? It's not though, is it? It's not a case of buying it forever. It's not something, you know, it is going to be different every time. You might buy it and then you get it and go like, oh, I don't enjoy it as much and sell it. Or you might sell it in five years. Your life changes, doesn't it? How long have you been doing this? How long have we all been doing this? Yeah. It's so let's, long. Let's not answer that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm time on changes. round three with, with JRX yeah. now. How many I'm houses? Three with it. How many houses have you moved in? How many of everything in your life have you changed? Yeah. And it, these aren't, there's no difference here with toys. You'd buy them in the moment where you really want yeah, them. Yeah, but I'm not going back to live in the same house <laughs> the third time. <laughs> no. People <laughs> do, though. Yeah. People do. Yeah, of course. Your life changes and it, you know, what you want now might not be what you want in a few years. It might be something else and these toys might make you feel completely differently or nothing at all. And, you know, life just changes, doesn't it? 
I, I I really agree with that, and I think that's what I say. And there's there's like this, you know, there's no shame about any of that. I think it's just what you want at the time. Maybe that'll change again, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe we will resell some of this stuff. I don't know. Am I going to have a vinyl tech collection forever? Maybe. I mean, I'd kind of like to, but there may come a day where I think, actually, yeah, no, I really have done enough of these things now. I, I think the reason that some of it comes back is because first and foremost, they're obviously great toys or toys that we love. So mm-hmm. you, you, you're not going to go after something that you've already experienced that's a big bag of nothing, are you? Because it's just, the, why, why would you? Do you know what I mean? And there are toys that, you know, G1 Blur in Liam's case or <laughs> Grimlock in your case, Maz, you probably own one actually. But, I uh, do have a Grimlock, yeah. Oh, there you go. Gears um, in yours. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> mini third reference everyone yeah. right yeah that, that guy that guy uh still better than wheelie that's what i'm gonna say it's better better than wheelie but uh you know there are always going to be toys that you don't enjoy that are just off your radar completely but there's clearly something about these examples that we're talking about classics in your case maz or vinyl tech or diaclone you know feral rex for me you know that i'd we... rebuy feral rex if if i had the cash right i'd rebuy it i would well, I mean, in my case, it was only because I'd see, I'd looked, I'd looked, I'd seen it come up, you know, on eBay or whatever, and always thought, nah, that's a bit like you with Rail Racer, Liam. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, oh, I like the idea of it, but nah, not yeah. not at that. Do you know what I mean? But um, then I just saw one one day and was like, that is too good to pass up. And lo and behold, it happened. And I thought it was loose as well, and it came with the boxes, so it turned out to be really, uh, really a very good thing. But uh, to me, it's just, it made sense at the time. I'm happy to have it back. I obviously wasn't done with it. Maybe I will be in another two years' time, three years' time, ten years' time, I don't know. Sometimes you just want to experience something as well, don't you? In a moment, like, I don't know, you might want to kind of coke or something. It doesn't mean you're going to keep it forever. It's just sometimes you're like, man, I would really like to pick that up again. And then once you've got it out of your system, you might sell it on or something like that. It's... I don't feel that analogy works with a coke. Yeah, I would <laughs> Well, no. What I'm saying is, like, this is oh. like your this is like your bus, and then a black one comes on <laughs> oh, behind yeah, yeah, it, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? This is like you're not going to, yeah. But no, what I mean I is, think like, getting the can of coke out of your system <laughs> and then selling it on was the bit where I think it kind of. Are we no, talking but... about that poo investigator? Again? Right, <laughs> getting his can of coke out of his system. No, but sometimes you just want something in a moment, don't you? Even if you didn't particularly like yes. it the first time or something like that. Sometimes you just like I've got this craving for something I wouldn't normally buy or eat or drink or something like that, and then you get it just to satisfy it. Do you, and I think that's the same with toys. Do you think now that because we've gone through this cycle of repurchasing with a bunch of things, that it does make you look back at things you've sold where other people have are still obviously appreciative of it and you maybe didn't get it the first time. You look at things and think, maybe I'll give that another go because I've bought other things I used to own and my experience with them now is different. I appreciate it in a different way. I know 10 years ago, I wouldn't have enjoyed G1 Pretenders. I wouldn't have because of where my mind was at and where my collecting was at. But now, you know, I really enjoy playing with Road Grabber. It's just so much fun, even though it has all the limitations I've always known about Pretenders. But I have a great time with it. And yes, photos are a big part of that. Yes, the fact that it's Road Grabber and not a lot of people talk about Road Grabber kind of tickles me as well. But now I think, what about those other things that I didn't appreciate? Superlink is a great example. Like, mm. I would never have bought Unicron Trilogy toys. Now, got a Mega Zarek and a Landmine on the way. Well, I can totally attest to that. I mean, you know, I've gone pretty full pelt on a lot of Unicron Trilogy stuff. I had a few Armada bits back in the day, but never really anything besides that. And even then, you're only talking about, like, Megatron and, you know, one or two 
landmark toys like that. Um, but I've had a great time with it. And I think you're right. When you said about I'm a different collector now and things have evolved, that totally rings true. And I think it is, it's kind of what Liam's saying, isn't it? Is that sometimes it's just what you want at the time. It just it suddenly clicks and seems appealing. It's definitely been like that for me with Superlink and the rest of the Unicron trilogy. I've enjoyed all three of the lines immensely. Uh, I really hope you do too, man. I got to tell you, like I'll be, um, I'm, I'm, I feel quite bizarrely personally invested in your the couple of Superlink purchases that you've got on the way. Well, I guess our listeners will get to hear about what my experiences are. Yeah, like that, you know, those of them who choose to upgrade to a tier that we're going to offer soon because we've decided to sort of do that in in a particular series of so-and-so investigates certain toys but yeah, i'm really looking forward to them as well even though i must admit at many points this week i thought why have i spent money on that when there are diaclones to be bought <laughs> i should be spending money on that because that's my current obsession again but you for you that is i guess that's the point because Forgive me for saying, Maz, but you've got this very particular singular obsession. You've got kind of the Maz focus, you know, that that does shift from one thing to the next. And I think very for impressive. You, it is impressive. I think for you, it's very difficult to look outside of that focus sometimes, mm. isn't it? To say, yeah, like okay, so now the thing is Diaclone because yeah. we've talked about Diaclone. But that's probably why stuff got sold in the first place. That's right. probably why stuff I owned that I liked and enjoyed never stopped enjoying it. That's why I let go of Vinyl Tech in the first place. That's why Diaclone went yeah, in yeah. the first round. All that stuff. But uh, your your collecting focus is kind of like a lighthouse. It's kind of like it sweeps round, and then whatever the light is on at the time, that's kind of that's safe. But then the stuff at the other side in the dark, it's like mm, that's kind of out of sight, out of I mind. I think it used bit. to be that way. I really do. But now I'm very uncomfortable with the fact that I basically scattergun collect now. Right. I've got legacy toy. I've got a masterpiece, a recent release masterpiece. I've got third party Unicron trilogy. I've got vintage Unicron trilogy. I've got vintage G1. And I've got Diaclone, Mask, you know, McDonald's stuff, mini spies. Valkyries. Valkyries, yeah. And I didn't just keep the Valkyries I had and it was like, because I really nearly sold those Valkyries more than once. But then I just went and added another one last year or the year before, like the one I was missing. I thought, no, I'm actually going to finish this collection. So now it's more scattergun than ever. And it's a little bit like, well, this doesn't look like anything now, but it's fun. Isn't that the main thing though? Yeah. That it's fun. It is up until a point. It is until those other reasons that make you sell toys that you like come to the surface. Like, yeah, I financially cannot afford to maintain a collection of this size. Well, that's a good reason. Or, you know, space has gone and now I'm actually actively defeating quality of life by owning these toys. Toys are getting damaged in storage or whatever it is. I then can't justify buying stuff I like. I'm still looking at those masterpiece train bots thinking, how can I not own those? And the answer is all the other stuff I'm buying. So I imagine there are things I own today that will get sold and then maybe three, four years down the line will get repurchased when there's brain space and physical space for them again. Yeah, all of that is fair, though. I think when you talk about, you know, finances and space and things like that, that those are sensible real world. Um, no one's going to debate those reasons, you know, because it's that's good. That's good that you think about those things. You know, and yeah, I, I can totally agree with you on a lot of that as well. Uh, I, I think certainly space for me is one that comes up fairly regularly because I've said before, you know, I actively don't want a collection that threatens to take over the whole of my house. I like to live in a certain way and that doesn't involve having toys in the living room, for example. That's just a bit of a personal uh, no-no for me, like w- one on a shelf somewhere, periodically fine, but like toys in the bedroom, for example, as well, not really my jam. Uh no, you know, you know, no shade on anybody that does that. I don't mind it. It's just I like to kind of keep things a certain way. 
So certainly when it feels like things are bulging out a little bit, then yes, I you, you talk about critical mass sometimes, yeah. Matt, and that's that's a feeling I can kind of identify with. And I must admit, going through the move and stuff now, I'm getting a bit of that, you know, that feeling of like, oh my God, you know, how many boxes, you know, how much, yeah. how much bubble wrap, you know. It's like having six hash browns for breakfast, isn't it? It's just, it's just excess. It's find its way out somehow. Right, exactly. The best life. Yeah. Once you've got that through your system. Yeah. <laughs> and then giving it to someone to analyze. Right, indeed. That, that, that's suggesting it comes back out and doesn't just stay. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, you've rebought RID Optimus Prime. Yep. Is owning it any different now than when you had it the first time? And why did you sell it the first time? Oh, yeah, actually, it's completely different because I liked it the first time. I was a fan, but I had a box version for ages and ages and it just sort of sat there. And I don't know, it just, I wasn't getting anything out of it. So in the end, I just had it. You didn't ever take it out of the box to reacquaint yourself with it before you made that decision? Every now and again, I'd take it out and be like, wow, this is great. And then put it back in and I don't know, there's something to be said now, whereas I just like to grab stuff and pick it up and change it. Whereas a lot of the time I'd look at it and go, oh, I can't bother to take it out. You know, that sort of thing. Why wouldn't you be bothered? What Was it just other things that were taking up your time or your attention? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it was the box. It, I had this where I sold Snapdragon because it had a box with the bubble and all that stuff still attached to it. And I didn't like taking it out because I was like, oh, I don't want to ruin it or something like that. So it became a different thing. So I was quite happy to let it go. And with this, it became like a similar thing like that, where I just, the hassle of taking it out of the cardboard, but I liked it being in the box. It made no sense. So yeah, it was very strange. So other than it being loose this time, what's the difference in owning it? Why are you less likely to sell it now? When I had it, my focus was really different. I was you know, it's before G1 stuff was everywhere again. So it's quite a long time ago. And so I was quite happy to just refocus back on sort of older stuff. But now we're the other way around because we've been doing this. I'm starting to look back at stuff that was new, that is now older stuff, like Fire Convoy and stuff like that mm. in a completely different way to then. I think you know. the the definitely for me, there's like this obsession with everything new. I don't feel that pull so much now do you know what i mean like it perspective change isn't it yeah exactly and i think the podcast again has been a big part of that we spend so much time looking back retroactively on stuff from the past that that has sort of almost taken on a sort of sense of romanticism almost to it like i always love vintage collecting but just going through each individual line and kind of looking at different sectors of it and how this relates to that and i i really like the kind of the just seeing the whole evolution of the entire toy line as well so you know like i you know you guys know i love collecting g1 uh, g2 sorry for example and i just love the seeing that evolution from g1 to g2 to beast wars but then even stuff like brave i mean coming back to your point maz about scattergun you know i have some brave stuff that doesn't fit anywhere <laughs> it's like where do i put that but i still love having it because it just is an experience but you have considered selling it haven't you I have a couple of times, not going to lie. Like I really did. And actually for the last however many months, I have put it back in the box. Uh, a bit like you were saying, Liam, do you know what I mean? And partly that was because I didn't have, there's such massive things. I didn't have anywhere to sort of put it properly and sort of do it justice. And I didn't want to get it damaged. So I thought, okay, this is because they're in nice condition and they're yellow and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, these are going to be safer in the box for a bit. They're still there, still have them. And I did debate it. But in the end, I decided I'm going to hang on to them and I'm going to see how I feel about it, you know, in over the next, let's say, five, six months or whatever, because I kind of knew that the move would happen at some point by then. And as it stands now, I'm really excited to still have them. And I'm hoping that I can, you know, get them out in the new place and make a bit more of them. And I, I'm still really appreciative of the designs. It's, it's a weird one. Like, I, I know some people really don't like having stuff in a box in storage, whatever. 
I don't either, really. But for some reason with these, I'm kind of cool with it. You know, I kind of feel like I still have them. They're still there. They're still accessible. Yeah, I feel that way about my Valkyries. Uh, Mm. A number of them are still in boxes, but it's fine. But I would say, am I right in saying that if you were to sell those brave toys, should the decision take you one day that I'm just, I'll take the space back, that they are prime candidates for repurchasing later because they're good toys and you like them. And say we do a brave episode in a year and a half or something like that. And then we talk about how amazing they are. We look up all these pictures of like the amazing brave toys that Sid has and displayed at TF Nation. Those are candidates for repurchasing, aren't they? Because they have the right formula. That's the thing. And I've become a bit wise to this now, I guess, which is probably another reason why it's I'm sort of thinking to hang on to them because they are hard toys to get, you know, obviously. And uh, I mean, Brave is terrible for that, honestly. And uh, I think as long as I can hang on to them, it's good to, you know, in that regard, unless there's a sudden major need, uh, which is, you know, never off the table. But I think it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of that. And would I repurchase them? I think that, yeah, the idea of doing a Brave episode I can imagine it now. I'm so, I, I could hit, I could easily sit here now and say that would never happen. But I just know, yeah, we'd be halfway through a brave discussion, and I'd be like, "Oh, X Geyser, God Max." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we'd talk about that Ultra Raker train combiner, right? You'd be like, "That would be nice to have." And you know what? Seeing that that Diaclone Triverse Tri Digger was basically Drill Max, oh man, has completely made me love that Tri Digger more. And has made me want a drill max now. Yeah. So I can put the two next to the power dasher drill and just be like, look at this evolution. Right. But isn't now, that... Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Now he's cut and done. Ah, that was those pictures you were sending the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that part of the fun of the scattergun approach then? Because actually you can make these connections. That's that... the opposite of scattergun. That is focused completion of a story almost of the pre-transformer, the transformer the Diaclone, the brave version of it, and then the Diaclone callback to it. It's like, look at this run I have now. And it's almost like a completed project. Like the McDonald's Changeables is like, that is a completed project now. I kind of see what you're saying, but at the same time, it's still a little bit scattergun in that they're toys that, I suppose what I'm saying is that it can be toys that don't necessarily make sense collectively you know but as long as they make sense to you you know as long as there's kind of a logic behind it and sometimes it is just those little connections or whatever i mean for the longest time i used to view uh you know i used to kind of take great pride in let's say having like a vintage g1 collection and then a masterpiece g1 collection and seeing the same toys replicated in both in different designs different molds and there was a sense of uniformity to that Uh, at one point my display was very mirror image you know kind of halfway you could almost slice it down the middle and it was like mp and g1 and, you know, so there would be even bits like that weren't really MP, you know, stuff like Legends Fort Max, for example, is not an MP toy, right. but it sits as a modern recreation of the G1 toy that I also have, you know, and I, and I like seeing the two of them there, you know, sort of opposite each other. And it's totally evolved out of that. But there's still that thrill of seeing sometimes modern MP or 3P equivalents of toys that I have in a kind of vintage space. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a link, but it's still... It's, it's a link in my brain, you know? So I am a bit scattergun these days, I'm not going to lie, but there's always a logic of something in my head, I suppose. A reason to purchase or repurchase, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. The Transformers will return after these messages. Right, well, it's that time for the bit of the pod where we're going to talk about TF Source and we're going to take a look at what they've got in stock or available for pre-order at the moment. So we're going to go to tfsource.com for all your Transformers and third-party needs. And, well, they've got lots of toys up there, don't they? It's fair to say. What's caught your eyes there, chaps? 
Right. Um, obviously, I still have the Diaclone tab open all mm-hmm. the sodding time. But the thing that caught my eye today was SV001 Metal Slug 2 Tanks Kangdao model. And not because it's a Metal Slug tank. I have no connection to that game or that model. It's just because if you look at the product photo, he's doing that strut, which is haters going to hate. And it's just amazing. That's no, the product on. photo. What are we looking at here? What is this? So it's the featured pre-orders, and it's the yeah. SV001 Metal Slug 2 tanks. It's in the top row. And he's just doing this strut, haters going to hate walk. And it's amazing to have that as your product photo. I, I was going to pick this too, and I, I've, I think I shared it on Twitter the other day because I love Metal Slug, you know, the old mm. SNK games and stuff like that. And as soon as I saw this, I was like, this is fantastic. And then I saw this picture and it's like, oh my God, I need it even more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great picture. But I mean, normally it would probably be the Diaclone thing that would get my eyes, but it's actually the Diaclone kind of thing that I'm most opposed to. It's just that repaint of the expensive suit that they've already released. Yeah, I saw that. So that's exactly the kind of thing I wouldn't go for right now. But that and... um, Is that the old Gamma Vesalta? I don't know what it's called, actually. I've I've tried hard not to sort of go and learn too much about it. (laughs) The the dude with the big wings. Yeah, the dude with the big wings, absolutely. Have you noticed they've created an entry specifically for you on the featured pre-orders tab with the more new Diaclone available for pre-order? Especially for you two. <laughs> I thought it was for Mares. More I'm new sorry, Diaclone what? available for Mares. I that... might have missed that. Where's that? It's, it's under the do with the wings. Oh, right. Okay, fine. You created your own little section. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it here. But that's me, yeah. That's that Metal Slug dude. Hmm. I think for me, I am not going to pick a Transformers thing. I'm going to pick an Iron Man. The 3-0 have done some remarkable uh, Iron Men, I guess, uh, recently. Uh, Pretty I have sure one. it's Iron Mans. Iron Mans. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mans. we'll go with that. Iron, Iron Mans. Homies. They've done some <laughs> terrific Iron Mans. Uh, and they've, they've, uh, I've got one already, which is the Mark 43, which is a remarkable little thing. Great. And, uh, the one that really got me is if you look under feature pre-orders there, they've done the Mark 3, which is the, the suit, of course, from the first film, the 2007 Mm -hmm. Iron Man. Uh, 2007? 2009. 2007? 2009. Which one is it? I think it's 2009. 2009. yeah. Yeah. I had a brief moment then. But yeah, 2009 film. And uh, I just absolutely love that suit. I think it just looks great. And I really like how 3.0 have done it. And I'm sure it's basically the same thing as the Mark 43. And they've done various other Marks as well. I think they've done a Mark 46 and you know various other ones. But uh, yeah, it just looks superb. So I'm well into that. Can't wait to see it in hand. And 3.0, man, they're just awesome. I'm quite interested in the Studio Series RC. You know, the one from the Bumblebee movie? Yep. That's where my interest is at at the minute. Those designs. I'm still all in on those. Just got this cool aesthetic, and it's you know she turns into a bike again. She's a bit of bike for ages, other than in the movie, the other movie. Yeah, the the other movie. Yeah. <laughs> is that on the page? Yeah, or? yeah. There's a pre-order for it. Is there? Can't see it. Yeah, SS eighty-five. You know how we have Studio Series eighty-six. Mm. Her designation is just number eighty-five. So are so. we going to get an SS eighty-six then? SS eighty-six. That's not in SS eighty-six. Yeah, that needs to be pink hot rod because then SS eighty-six will be SS eighty-six eighty-six. That's the one. The magenta hot rod, yeah. finally. It's 86 squared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, there's lots of good stuff in there, isn't there, really? So absolutely tons of stuff. And quite a lot of non-Transformers popping up, actually. A lot of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there's a few Ninja Turtles bits. Uh, a few Gundam things on that list as well. Yeah, I did notice there was mostly other toy lines in the featured pre-orders. 
Yeah, really kind of branching out a little bit, I guess, which is cool to see. So uh, anyway, check them out. Take a look. It's tfsource.com. Thanks for sponsoring the pod. Check them out for all your Transformers and third party and Diaclone and Gundam and whatever else needs. And just reissue DA65 Battle Convoy, you... Not TF Source, by the way, but Takara. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, got you. Huff is another one who doesn't have anything like his uh, cartoon face. And he doesn't even have, like, proper hands. He's just got no. a couple of weird... He's got, like, salad forks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it does. It'd be great at tossing the salad. Oh, it's a, just getting Frasier vibes. <laughs> with, uh... <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Just imagine Huffer singing along to that one. If you enjoyed this clip and want to hear more, then check out our Patreon-exclusive episodes at patreon.com forward slash triple takeover. We now return to the Transformers. Okay, one other thing I'd like to talk about is the choice to repurchase something. So we've talked about reasons why, you know, why we might let things go in the first place, what kind of things encourage us to repurchase toys, re-experience them. But then is that conscious decision, and especially if you're on a budget, it's not just a matter of, oh, I have time and space in my life to enjoy an old toy again. But when it comes to toy budget, a lot of us, it's a decision every month. Like I have this much to spend and this is what I'm going to spend it on. And that's done for the month or maybe for three months, whatever it might be. How strong a pull does it have to be for you to choose going back to a previous experience over one thing that constantly keeps us inspired in this uh, in this hobby, which is new experiences. So I know that when my toy budget is replenished at the start of next month, uh, one of the first things I want to buy is a Die Battles or maybe a Battle Buffalo, or should it become available, a Blue Vinyl Tech Prowl. Mm. But then that means I can't have um, MP Trainbot, or I can't have something that's just come out in Legacy that's really nice. I still haven't bought myself that lovely reformat Galvatron, the uh, the Behold Galvatron thing in clear purple. I love the look of that thing. But I've decided to buy old things instead. Just the pull of it is so strong that I'm actually denying myself a fresh experience, which is the kind of thing that actually keeps me going in this hobby. I think the, if the pull is there, it makes total sense. I think it's um, it's a bit like what Liam was saying before, isn't it? It's kind of whatever happens at the time. I mean, certainly there's been various things. I know exactly what you mean, because Feral Rex was that exact pull. You know, it was kind of, and Binal Tech was very much that exact pull of like, this is what I want to focus on right now. And it sort of became a bit... Uh, all-encompassing, I think, is probably the right phrase. So, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I think if the if the pull is there, but it would have to be a significant pull because if it's just something that you're a bit that you've already owned before and you were kind of a bit, it was nice, but mm, you know, I can live without it. You, you're not going to prioritize that over something new necessarily, are you? That could be a smash hit. Why did you buy those Transformers GT toys again, for example? Because that's another toy line that you rebought. You had the whole lot of them. It's mm. all the same toy four times. Why did you decide to get all four of them instead of one, for example? Yeah, it's a good question. Because I was amazed when Liam bought the one and then announced he was blooming selling it. I was like, yeah. what's that about, mate? I was like, oh, yeah, to that guy. He listens to this podcast, so God. as he told me. So I hope you're enjoying that toy. Yeah, man, he's a lucky devil. Much to six O's chagrin. <laughs> I, I was tempted to have strong words with you. I'm joking, of course, but uh, <laughs> no, it's your choice. But I was surprised. But no, yeah, fair enough, I get it. But uh, no, I guess for me... Um, that's a good one, actually, is a good example, because there's a real love of having the four of them together, because it is in such a nice set. It's it's a great example of repaints done so blooming well. I mean, just, you know, the fact that they're retooled to such a degree, even though they look very similar, you know, is, is remarkable. But the paint jobs are just so different, so wildly different. I mean, they could all be the same exact mould. 
and you could own two of them and it wouldn't feel like the same toy, I think. So I think there was definitely in that case, in my mind, there was no way I was ever going to own one of them. How would you choose just the one? You know, it would be very difficult. It'd probably be the Star Saber, but that's by the by. Um, it would be very difficult. I would pick the Megatron, actually. Would you? Yeah, mm. I was blown away by how good that Megatron was. Just yeah, because probably. I wasn't expecting it to be as nice as the Saber, but then yeah. I found it even nicer. That's interesting. You said the paint jobs. I think I'm onto something here. Is it fair to say those Transformers GT cars have the best alt mode paint jobs yes. ever seen on Transformers? Yes, and that was a huge part of the draw for me. Masterpiece do some amazing looking cars and you know vinyl tech also incredible but there is something just extra special wow about those four gt toys i don't think it's ever been bettered in terms of paint i completely agree i think they are the very very best vehicle mode presentation on a toy ever uh, in transformers i don't think anything's been better but that's their standout so they have a massive standout feature that you wanted to experience again yes But also, coming back to what we were saying before, for me, very personally, it was photography, you know, because the idea of, hey, I can have these things again and really go to town on them. Because I remember acutely taking pictures of them the first time when I was using like a reflective gray surface and kind of had like little mirrored shots of them and that. Um, It's funny because, you know, sometimes at the time you think, wow, that went down really well. And then you look back and it's like years before and I don't know, it got like 10 likes or something. And it's kind of like, that felt like a big deal at the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I remember it being, you know, a lot of people, or certainly comparatively, a lot of people saying, oh, those are really nice photos and things. And I got a real buzz from it. It was one of the first times I really remember thinking, well, wow, wow, I really, you know, felt like I delivered something sort of different there. And uh, so that was kind of a landmark bit for me with in terms of photography, I think, in some funny way. And and I really wanted to kind of recreate that. The irony is that I haven't actually, since I've re-owned them, I, I haven't gone to town on them in terms of photography. I did a couple of shots of um, Maximus mm. and, and the others actually have been largely unphotographed. But what I have found is I've really enjoyed messing around with them again. Yeah. So, And there is something about that alternative convoy mold that I've enjoyed, the regular red one as well in alternative and, and just enjoyed messing about with it. Um, so that's definitely a thing. And I think if it was a different mold, it would be different. I mean, I just actually today handled Alternative Starscream for the first time and uh, said to, to you, Maz, you know, that it's nice, but very fiddly and very awkward. And I like a lot of the design, but the actual execution is a bit lacking, in my opinion. And I think yeah. if that had been the mold that had been GT'd four times over, this would be a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had Banzaitron, which is the same mold, and it was stunning in robot mode, like amazing proportions, but super fiddly. And see, that is one I've thought about repurchasing, but then I remember the difficulties I had with it, and it's not one I'd go back to now. I think I, I wouldn't go that way. But then when we repurchased Binaltech, they had standout features as well. They had basically the best vehicle modes you've mm-hmm. ever seen in Transformers. Yeah, sure, Transformers GT might have had better paint jobs, but Binaltech were more accurate, and oh, they yeah. were the full Monty in terms of vehicle modes. And that has really been an amazing draw of their photography and handling them. Rubber tires, die cast, Swindle's suspension is one of the best gimmicks I've ever experienced on a Transformers toy. That uh, the Jeep Wrangler mold in Binaltech, Hound is the same. And so that had a standout feature as well. And JRX, a toy I, I regularly repurchase, <laughs> are bullet trains and the unique combining bullet train team. You're a serial repurchaser. <laughs> I feel like everything I've repurchased has a standout feature. 
that uh, requires yeah. returning to. It's not just, hey, that was a good toy. I'll have it again. There has to be some kind of I, magic I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. It's, it is more than just, oh, that toy was fun. Let's get it again. Yeah. It's not that. It's that there is something more, and I would, I would identify it with each of the specific items in my case as well. Vinyl Tech is a funny one. I think that's very singular as well because... In a funny way, it's been so long since Vinyl Tech because it was kind of early Masterpiece era. And it's actually quite a while ago now. And we've been through so much with Masterpiece and toys have evolved so much since then that I know it's not vintage yet. Not too far off, but it's not vintage yet. But it feels like significantly, feels like long enough ago that actually it's like revisiting the original experience. And there has been, for me, a very acute feeling opening Vinyl Tech toys unsealing them you know kind of getting them and sliding them out the box that whole process of like handling them for the first time that heft that wow admiring the paint it's all felt very nostalgic actually so i would say that in that regard it's been a bit of a recreation of an experience as well right that's so much of what this hobby is though isn't it it's you are trying to always recreate that experience of what made the toy specialty in the first place like when you get those toys it's like you're trying to capture what it was like when you were little and opening these toys for the first time or that's what keeps you in it, and that's what brings you back, and that that still drives a lot of your purchases. Like for me, a lot of it goes to what's new, and it's all the stuff I didn't have that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And the old toys, it's a lot of vintage toys, and it's the stuff I miss having that's got lost over the years. I think maybe you're right, you know, and it is it's the special feature that you were talking about, Maz, plus that feeling of nostalgia or kind of where you were at a certain time. Now, Feral Rex, again, I know I keep coming back to it, but for me, that was such a kind of landmark figure in terms of where I was at in my collecting. And it felt like such an achievement to get those five. I didn't even go the full set. I didn't even get the sixth one, mm-hmm. uh, Fearless Saber or whatever. It was just the five of them, just to get them all together. And I just remember being so kind of proud of it. I don't know. And mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely a, a sense of recapturing that feeling that the, the nostalgia is... <laughs> It's different to G1 or whatever because it is like, oh, this toy that I had as a kid. But there's still that recapturing of the feeling of having it in the first place. The magic. Like, obviously for you, Maz, like you're talking about the feature. So for you, there's obviously the experience element of that toy, isn't it? Or what it is. It's something that stood out and left. That's what's the magic. Yeah, it it left a mark, you know, Hmm. at the time. That's a lot of the magic to you, though, isn't it? Obviously, that being able to pick that up and do that feature and go, wow, and just be able to experience it. Whereas for a lot of people, it's how it looks or something else. It's different for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. But also it's uh, about how I'd experience it differently now. Yeah. Like uh, owning JRX again wasn't just, oh yeah, all of this stuff. It's different now. Um, and it, it was different every time. First time, second time, third time is different every time. And I don't know if I'll sell it again. I really hope not. I mean, I feel like I love it more now than I ever did. And maybe it's a little bit of the more new stuff I experience, the more I realize why I liked some of the stuff I've let go of in the past. Yeah, I can identify with that. It's almost like I let go of it in order to experience something else that had the promise of taking its place almost in my hobby space, in my finances, in my home. And then when I experienced those, the cycle of becoming over it was quicker. I think Masterpiece was a great example of that. And then I've decided that I don't need all that articulation. I don't need all that show accuracy because what I had in the past offered more. And uh, I will feel closer to it now. And yeah, man, I, I, I get so sentimental about toys, things I've sold. It's not uncommon for me to go to the person I've sold it to and be like, is there any chance you'd sell that back to me? Because that was my one and, and want that back. I still entertain that? it. 
I have, yeah, many times. And I remember asking the guy who bought my first GRX for £17 whether he would consider selling it back to me. And he said yes, but the problem was it was £200 that he wanted for it. I might add that it was broken. (laughs) I remember asking Graham, like, would he consider selling back uh, the reissue Hasbro Hot Rod that I sold him. I mean, it's such a plentiful toy. I think I've got two more now in better condition, but that was the one that was mine. I took a photo of myself and my daughter with that toy for an article once. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. And I just I thought, remember oh, that. I don't own that anymore. And it's stuff like that that also drives me. Um, I'd love my first Dire Battles back if I knew who had it. I know Nick Roach has got one of my Dire Battles, but I'd love my first Dire Battles back if I knew who I sold it to, but unfortunately I don't remember. Yeah, so I, I get definitely spend a lot of time looking back and, and chasing old experiences again in toys that's definitely a thing there's, there's a connection though isn't it, to these things all of these things and that's why you buy them and there's a lot of them there's a lot of memories attached to stuff that you can't get it even if you get the same toy it's not the same thing mm. that's why you see people when you find something that was yours when you were a kid it's like wow there's a certain magic because it brings back a feeling in a way that a new version of it never could we were talking about this on the uh Super Jim Rye episode, whatever we did when we talked about that, Powermaster Prime, it's like the difference is I can look at the Takara version and go, it's better objectively by every standard, but it's not the one I had as a kid. Yeah. And it doesn't make my eyes light up in the same way as when I see Powermaster Prime. When I see that toy, I'm like, wow, everything rushes back in a way that it doesn't with the one. Do you consider that repurchasing, buying stuff you had in childhood? Is that still under the same umbre- umbrella of repurchasing to you? Yeah. Well, it's. I don't know if I do. But technically, I didn't buy it the first time because my grandma right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a choice you made to have it, and then you reversed that choice by selling it, and then you went back on that and mm, bought it again. I, th- I think it's different. Yeah. Personally, I think I think I find it psychologically a bit different, you yeah. know, because it's like the childhood thing is it's still it's still trying to recapture something. Ultimately, it's still trying to go back yeah. to a feeling or an experience or whatever. But that, as you say, that's very much toys that you weren't involved with to begin with you know in the pro- kind of process yeah. behind or whatever or not often anyway you might have said i won that one or whatever but and, but it's still and, willingly choosing to have something when a quote unquote superior version exists and you choose yeah. to spend your money on something based on feelings true i mean i know you don't actually mean it but the superior thing quote unquote is funny to me because i think i'm definitely out of the mindset have been for years that new stuff is superior in any way Mm -hmm. shape or form i think it's sometimes yeah absolutely but uh i've kind of if anything come around to this way of thinking that new stuff is just different you know it's it's like it's a different take it's not always better it's not always worse it's just different and particularly when it's the same characters being brought back you know so you've got new versions of old toys or whatever i definitely think for me that at the moment there's some thrill to seeing the original versions of some of these characters or the old versions of some of these characters that are now getting new toys and at a time when everyone is so fixated on uh toys that are reminiscent of something in the past i'm personally enjoying going after the old ones you know the kind of where Mm -hmm. it started and that i enjoy quite a bit yeah like we we're talking there about the stuff we didn't buy as kids or that people bought for us, but most of us, we didn't get rid of those toys either, did we? Like when you were saying about how you have sold stuff on, but most of us didn't. It was like lost over time, you know, through childhood, you grow up, you moved on from it. And it's only now that you're older, we're coming back to it. I think that's quite a maybe powerful motivator for me. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not so much about the who bought it, you know, or whatever, or how it was chosen. Maybe it's more about the how it went. You know, if, if Definitely. you... You know, definitely. If it got destroyed, if it got lost, if it got stolen or whatever, I mean, you know, 
if you were forced to sell it because you had to, you ran out yeah. of space, or if some kid at school threw it in a urinal, you know, <laughs> that was Motormaster, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never forget him being told to clean it repeatedly, and then <laughs> me, and me just turning to him and get by the teacher. And after he'd done it, I just turned to him and said, "That's yeah, all right. You can you can keep it, mate." And uh, never had a Motormaster after that. But what if he still got that in his collection? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So, yeah. But like most of my childhood toys, I have no idea what happened to them. And I didn't at the time. I think they just went into toy boxes and were gradually replaced by, you know, new toys or whatever I was into next. And so over years, they just vanished. And so I never knew what happened to them. So it, it's not moving on as such, but just moving forward, I guess. So maybe this is the thing. Maybe it's because there's no closure in that sense. Because, you know, if you've got a, a beloved toy from childhood, you know, maybe even a Gears, who knows? But, you know, some, <laughs> yeah. a toy that... No one's going to get that joke if they haven't listened to that mini Well, you mentioned it earlier. But, yeah. the, the you know, conceivably a good toy, maybe. Um, yeah. then yes. Something that you really love. <laughs> pull a face at me. All right, let's take, let's take an actual good toy like Grimlock. You know, something that you really... <laughs> wow, I, I thought... There was a limit to how much sass he could inject into one He's speech. But no, no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But, okay, a toy that you loved in childhood, whatever it may be, and uh, if, let's say, it got lost or, you know, your mum sold it or whatever, who knows? But there's not that feeling of closure there necessarily, is there? You know, there's that kind of like you want to... And, and plus, which your memory of it probably isn't all that solid in your brain either. So there's a kind of rediscovery there. Whereas some of the stuff we're talking about you know, is from like three years ago in some mm, cases yeah. or eight years ago or whatever it may be. So, and I don't know, we, we're talking about stuff that we, as, as we yeah. were talking about earlier, we moved on for a reason at the time, yeah. but now situations have changed. So you can kind of bring it back, I suppose. But it is different. Yeah. And we're, we're in such a different space though, as collectors versus being kids, where you were always looking for the next new thing and you were moving mm. along with whatever fads. Whereas now, we spend so much time sort of immersed in all of this. Yeah. It's a very different mindset and a very different yeah. attitude. Whereas then it was like, new toy, I want it. It's exciting. What's the new toy I'm getting next yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. And there's some of that still now with buying new toys and stuff. But Definitely. You're, you're going back and getting them for very different reasons, I think. And a lot of it is just like looking at stuff again and being like, wow, I had that as a kid. That's cool. I'd like to re-experience that for a minute or something. Would your daughter ever rebuy a toy? Nice. Would my daughter ever rebuy a toy? Um, I haven't seen that cycle yet. Uh, I've seen her be really enthusiastic about toy lines. My Little Pony, uh, and now she's really into like OMG and LOL. Uh, but she's obviously moved the My Little Pony on. And in fact, uh, just recently, we had a stand at just a local super um, shopping center here where you can hire a stand and sell your kids old toys. And then we just said you can use the money for whatever you want. So she let all of those toys go and she had decided that she just didn't want them anymore. And I did look at them and think, well, what if you come round to appreciate them again in the future? Uh, but it hasn't actually happened that um, something that she's gotten rid of by her own choice that she has wanted back again. Although if you bring up a bag of her baby toys from downstairs, she's still <laughs> like, no, I don't want to get rid of that. And it's it's a mix at the moment. I yeah, wouldn't yeah, put yeah. too much stock in, in the logic she's using. No, it's understandable. I have another question. Because this has been such a big part of certainly mine and Sixo's collecting recently, this whole repurchasing things we've let go in the past. Have you repurchased anything that you then regretted and thought, nah, I was right the first time to let it go? It's a good question. Or not even recently, but ever. Have you repurchased something and thought, actually, I think I'm, I'm done with it. I, I'm certain now. And then sold it again. Yeah. Nothing I can think of. 
there have been vintage G1 toys or I suppose like the odd Beast Wars thing or whatever that I've picked up that I've thought, mm, actually, no, this really is not the best. Do you know what I mean? But I, again, I kind of hold that a bit separate, you know, because it's from so long ago or whatever. And sometimes you kind of get a vintage thing and you think, oh, there's going to be a new level of appreciation here or whatever. But certainly nothing kind of in more recent memory, you know, kind of on the, the scale of Biotech or anything kind of Diaclone or anything like that. But definitely there are, yeah, vintage G1 or uh, Beast Wars toys that I can think of in that regard, yeah. What about you, Liam? Have you repurchased anything that you've regretted repurchasing? No, not as far as I know. But it's because I don't tend to repurchase stuff. So if I've ever been disappointed with it, I just don't buy it again. But you have sold stuff you regret selling. Like, I know you, you want an R.I.D. Magnus back again, don't you? Technically, that still exists at my mum's house. So, I mean, in, in some ways, I still sort of own that. It's just very yellow and broken in lots of pieces. But um, I did sell R.I.D. Scourge not long ago, and I regretted that. But then I got the G2 version of Optimus Prime, and that scratched that itch. Mm-hmm. So, But in general, I don't. Uh, I tend to just sell the stuff I don't like, and so I don't really rebuy it. I've got to admit, I have done this a number of times. I've done it with JRX. Like I've bought it, sold it, bought it, sold it, and I bought it again. I've done it with vintage variants. Like I've had a Mexican hoist before and a Mexican prowl, and then I sold my originals and I thought, okay, I regret that now. Those were great variants. And then I've bought them again uh, around about probably 2012, 2013, and they were better quality. And then I've sold them again. And I think it's because... While I say that repurchasing is like good toy is good toy and you can't keep it down and it'll find its way back into your collection, I think sometimes I've been susceptible in buying things because they've been a great price or they've been better condition than I've had them in the past. Or I feel like it affords me a kind of status within the community circles I'm in that I liked. And I liked being someone who'd written loads of articles about a toy, but then I didn't own it and everyone else did and I felt a bit rubbish about that. And I felt that desire to have it again. Then I had it again, but the appeal of selling it and making a lot of money back using it on other things has won out again. So I've been in that cycle a few times. And now I'm in the position where I'd really love to have a Mexican Prowl again, you know, but I've had like two or three of them in the past. I'm onto my third Mexican Trailbreaker. The condition is the worst of all the ones I've owned, but I love it. It's just taken all this time to to get one at a price and in a condition that I'm not tempted to cash in on because it's so mint. And I know that the prices of these things have become exponentially higher than they used to be. But I, I can tell you that that has had an effect on my buying and selling. It's not always for me, it's a good toy. Oh, I've got distracted. I'm out of money. I need to sell it. I need that good toy back. It's sometimes motivated by other less savory urges and impulses, I think, in this collecting hobby. Do you think there's an element of giving a toy a second chance sometimes when you do that? If there's a toy you weren't that keen on and you were happy to sell, and then you've bought it back and you still don't enjoy it and sold it on again, but like you were saying there, buying them in different conditions, do you think there's an element of trying to get a version where you think this is the one that it should have been and enjoying it more? I don't know, maybe, yeah. Cause some, Wanting to. Yeah, sometimes the next one I've got is in better condition and it's brilliant and it makes for better photos. Mm-hmm. I update my vintage article photos and then it goes again. I've got to tell you this story. I I owned a Diaclone Red Hoist, uh, a vintage one, years ago. I think it was like... Lift ticket. (laughs) Lift ticket, yeah. Diaclone lift ticket. It'll forever be known now. In 2003. And um, in 2003, I decided I was going to sell everything I had. And I kept two toys. I sold all of my collection in 2003. And uh, this Diaclone Red Hoist was unused. And it had a rip right next to the artwork in the top right corner. And I don't remember who I sold it to. 
but no, I do know who I sold it to, but that guy sold it on. And then in 2014, I think, at a time where this toy was really, really much rarer than we all realized and had vanished from secondhand markets, I had the chance to buy another one. And it was the same bloody one. It was the <laughs> exact same red hoist, same condition. And it was from a different collector. He'd obviously bought it from the dude I sold it to. I love stuff like that. And the price was brilliant. And I know the price was brilliant because when I messaged him and said, I'll take it, he got about four or five more messages with people offering more money. But he was good enough to sell it to me because I was the first. And then I thought, that's it. I've got it back. I've righted that wrong. I even wrote articles about getting that bugger back. And then I sold it again because the amount I bought it for, it was so below the market value. And then, of course, I got out of Diaclone properly vintage and I made many, many thousands, of course, because at that point in my life, I thought, you know, I've got a child now. I want to have experiences with my family. I want to buy a home. Tell you what, <laughs> some people who have bought so much stuff from me that I need to put a plaque on my home because they are partially responsible for me being able to afford a property. But yeah, so I had not just the same toy, but the exact same specimen bag and then resold it again. That's mad. I love stuff like that. I, uh, it's not quite the same thing, but I'm still chuckle about my overlord. Do you remember this? Have you heard this? No. So when I got it, I posted, I mean, it was a, it was a pub hall uh, as well. It was, um, it was a pool pub hall. And uh, there's a weird phrase. A pool hall. A pool hall. Yeah, indeed. Um, so rock up in the pub. Paul's there. You know, some of you know Paul Hitchens, very famous kind of UK Transformers dealer. And after a couple of beers, I was like, "Yep, I'll go home with an Overlord. Why not?" You know, <laughs> and a Jetfire, <laughs> and, and a Jetfire. Same uh, day as it goes. Yeah, same day. It was it was, it was quite the day. Uh, anyway, rocked home after more than a few beers. Uh, all merry. Uh, posted a picture of it for on... six hours. Just Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. Uh, not in the pub anyway. But uh, yeah, rocked up. Put a picture up on eBay and uh, lots of replies. And old Skywarp SCS Steve is a lovely chap, really mm. nice on the old UK scene. Often oh, goes okay. to TFN. Really nice guy. Replies saying, "Oh, that's my uh, childhood overlord." What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because he recognized Whoa. a fault. He, and I know this because he recognized um, a rip, like there's a slight rip in the front of the box. And he said, pretty sure I caused that rip. Uh, and then he said, if I'm right, there'll be this particular piece of damage to the polystyrene on the inside, which wasn't in the picture. And I opened it and took a picture and sent it to him. And it was the same, exactly the same as what he described. Incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. I, so I you sent it back it. to him, didn't you? No, I've still got it. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, he did say to me, he was like, oh, it's nice to know it's ended up in uh, you know good hands or whatever, which was really lovely. But yeah, absolutely mad to think. That he, is he, mad. He clocked it like that. Honestly, just straight away spotted it and was like, I'm pretty sure that's you my do. childhood overlord. Yeah, that's how I spotted that red hoist and, and a red foot prime like years later. I was like, that's my one. You mm. just know when you've owned it and you've loved it and you've seen it so many times. I can't imagine someone else owning a childhood transformer of mine. Just it's it's cannot weird, comprehend. Yeah, it's a weird feeling, isn't it? Because you know, you always think of it as being toys that have come from someone else. So you often like, you know, we all probably own a G1 toy somewhere that has been a child's toy because like, mm. they are. I mean, I know they are children's toys. It's not. I mean, you know, that has been owned by a child and played with by a child. But you never think about other people owning your your childhood toys. You know, yeah. that's kind of more of a weird thought in a way. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I, I often think about my boy now and like what will happen to his toys, you know, and like yeah. adult collectors getting them or whatever. It's just, it's a mad cycle. Mad yeah, I, I do wonder with all the stuff my daughter just sold, like where have they gone, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. I'm more sentimental about it than she is. 
well, she's young. She's, maybe it'll come in time or maybe it won't. Maybe she'll be free of it. She agreed to throw away all the boxes for her OMG dolls. And, you know, they have some pretty elaborate boxes. And I couldn't help but thinking, ah, oh, you're going to like be writing on a forum one day. My my bloody parents threw away all my vintage OMG packaging. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Is that going to be a thing? I've been been so impressed with Seveno, as I call him, but uh, he's uh, just with the house move. I asked him, or we asked him, to think about what toys he'd like to to donate uh, to give away, and uh, he was really good. Initially, he was a bit skeptical, and but he's seen me sell so many bits, and and one thing in our house has regularly become like stuff going to the post office, you know, and who's it going yeah. to, and all of this, and like he's kind of got used to the idea now that stuff moves on, but he was so good about it. And even like, I didn't even have to nag him or anything, just made his own little pile of stuff that was going to go to charity. And that, you know, we sort of explained the whole cycle of like, it's going to go to other children and all of this. And he's been really, really mm-hmm. good about it and given away so much stuff. It's not really been a battle at all. I don't have kids, so I can't <laughs> relate to this story at all. What about your dog? I mean, I, saw, I, saw, mm-hmm. well, I, I do sometimes wonder about the dog and whether she's going to be, you know, sad when I chuck one of the toys in the bin where she's eating the ears off of it and rip the squeaker out and all that. But, uh, Aside from that, no. But my brother has a lot of my toys. I've got a brother who's like half my age almost. So he has a lot of my childhood toys, just stuff. And so whenever I visit, I see them and it's quite weird, you know, seeing them pass down like that. How would you feel if he got rid of them? Uh, to be honest, I've reclaimed most of the ones that were in the right. bag anyway. <laughs> so they're all like... Just yeah. taking back crap yeah. from his brother. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, this looks like mine. I'm just going to take this. So, but then the other stuff, I'm just like, it's knackered. You can have that. So that pretty much covers everything we wanted to say about repurchasing toys and uh, the reasons that that might happen and and what it will lead to. This would be a great time to mention our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash triple takeover. We have a number of tiers available and sure that's going to get updated, but it's not stopping people signing on because they just want to support us. And we've had a few messages from new patrons. Thank you so much for what have been absolutely lovely, humbling messages where they've literally just said, we just want to support what you're doing because we love what you bring to the hobby. So thank you so much for that. But also, if you sign up at Man in Pig, you can have episode access early. If you sign up for Rats and Cats, you can get access to outtakes and you can also request that we answer a question on the pod. And that is exactly what we're going to do now. So this question comes from Laserbeak. And I think it's quite relevant to the topic that we've been discussing today. He says, I don't have a single focus in my collecting and just get whatever I think looks good. G1, G2, MP and 3P. But it also makes it difficult not to buy everything. So my question is, what is your greatest discipline and or obstacle you have to follow to sustain healthy collecting? For example, if limited to space and budget or budget, is it a must to sell something first before acquiring something new? Very topical, considering the discussion. Wow. Uh, well, I have all of the, you know, will of an impulsive child, so I just, <laughs> I just buy what I have at the time. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Everyone wants that sugary cereal. But um, I'm no, just jealous. Time, honestly, that's all. I'm just jealous. <laughs> you wouldn't be if you saw what I ate when I go on holiday. You know, go yeah, the buffet. So I just pour all the children's cereal into one bowl. <laughs> and that's it. That's everyone's there with the cheese and the croissants, whatever. And there anything that's purple. But um. No, collecting wise, I just tend to buy what I like. But I do, you do get overwhelmed, don't we? We all do. So <laughs> <sometimes>. <laughs> just, I had you just, at cereal. You just get everything that's purple off the buffet. 
<laughs> well, anything that's you know got colours, you know, like Fruit Loops. This is everything that that whole that whole story. I'm sat here listening to it, and all I thought at the end of it was Kevin. <laughs> no, I, I thought to myself, I kind of fancy a croissant now. <laughs> Why would you eat the healthy food when you can have everything that's filled with sugar? Croissants are not healthy, <laughs> mate. They're literally made of butter. <laughs> Wait, what? A croissant? Yeah, they're not bread. To- a totally this, different thing. Is this above board? Is this one of these Mads with the rub sign thing all over no, again? No, <laughs> my wife, my wife can make croissants from scratch. She's really good at it. Um, I mean, she's French, so but uh, well, not all French people can make croissants. So I should clarify that she happens to be able to make croissants, and she's very good at it. So uh, she's so taught herself. If they're made of butter, does that mean you are putting butter on top of butter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, there's no need to put butter on a croissant. Honestly, absolutely zero need to put butter on a croissant. You are literally buttering butter. Wow. It's like oh, combining butter so, and margarine. Lisa Beak, I hope you've enjoyed the answer to your question. <laughs> I, I think these lads have highlighted their obstacles really clearly. <laughs> oh dear. I can't believe that. Yeah. I was... Is it, you should see how much butter goes into it, man. Honestly, I remember like one New Year's Eve, right? We were making croissants. It was about three in the morning. Everybody was wasted. And we my wife starts making croissants. I can dress just, myself. The amount of butter that goes into it. Everybody was shocked. <laughs> Honestly, absolutely incredible. They're not healthy at all. We are talking about the same thing. The little just ordinary. That's why like... they're called butter croissants. <laughs> all butter croissants. All butter croissants. <laughs> that's why they called it. Wow, I did not know that was a literal thing. I just assumed it was like a, a flavouring. So you're actually the healthy one on holiday. <laughs> Probable that your children's cereal is more healthy than a croissant. Yeah. But the worst part is I love croissants, so I just stuff it with cheese and have a croissants as well. Oh, man. <laughs> That's why he's in your Look food out for Liam's breakfast at TF Nation. It's going to be worth seeing. Absolutely brilliant. It's just hash browns. I want a croissant now. Can we get back to the question? Yes. Is that at that? all possible? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was the question again? Oh, yeah. Uh, focus. Yeah. Or do you sell <laughs> to we buy? Do you, you struggle have with focus, focus in your collecting? Or are you scat? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah. Do we struggle with focus? No, absolutely De- definitely. not. Definitely. No. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> no, I don't. Very singularly focused. I've started to buy in a very scattergun fashion. You know, I'm just like the new shiny at the moment or the old shiny. Just, right. Or just whatever we talk about. That week, I seem to be drawn by. But yes, I have always had a policy of sell to buy. I mean, I remember liquidating entire lines of Transformers to be able to buy maybe one thing. And then I did that to get my Diaclone Black Tracks. Originally, I sold an entire toy line to be able to do that. Well, I do sometimes, if I buy something expensive, like a expensive toy, I do sometimes feel like I have to sell a toy mm. to justify it, you mm-hmm. know, almost to make the money back, yep. just as a mental thing sometimes. Completely relate to that, yeah. Yeah, I can get that. We do sometimes get where you feel like you have too many. I've gone through those phases and just thinned it down a little bit. But... And then repurchased? No. Yeah, tell that it's, to Fire Convoy. It's one instance. And it's very special, him. Yeah, I mean, I can identify with all of that. There's definitely examples of where I felt, okay, going to move on a couple of bits in order to fund a particular thing or whatever, uh, in specific examples mainly. Uh, but yeah, space. There's definitely a feeling, I don't like that feeling of, too much and i've got a bit of that going on at the moment actually to be completely honest so maybe that'll sort of come in time with the move but yeah definitely is all of transformers too much next week that'll be our question <laughs> yeah. and then we can talk about how to make sausages instead uh, we right could do, we could do like a cooking podcast would be hilarious with liam i'm not worrying what foods i eat that are made of something else that i didn't know they were made of 
Trust me, son, we're worried too. <laughs> hey, Liam, Liam. Is a banana actually a banana? My, What's, what was in that? My wife can also make like brownies out of beans, yeah? It's true, out of black beans. All right, this, no, this one. No, 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 she makes just, chocolate thank brownies. Thank you, Laserbeak, for your question. Black beans. It's incredible, honestly. She's a really good... You really too good can have your question, the actual one you submitted, answered on the pod, just like Laserbeak. Uh, then we've got our six O's butlers who can commission wait, 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 episodes wait. not waiting. C- can I just submit a question? Do it like everyone else, mate. Sign up to the Patreon and okay. <laughs> send me a message. That's how you can submit a question, all right? Okay. Or I'll direct you to another podcast <laughs> where they can answer your question on on how hash browns are made or whatever it is this week. It was going to be the brownies about beans. I'll, I'll send you a recipe. You can save that. Okay, okay. Just get her to do a podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Should be good. This is the prime Patreon content we need. And then watch. That's the podcast he goes on and promotes this one. Just watch. <laughs> Not any of the others he's been invited to. They just ah, yes, got me drunk and talked about football. I don't know what happened, where the time went. Anyway. But like, yes, this butter is lovely, but uh, have you heard of Fire Convoy <laughs> on Triple Takeover <laughs> on our Patreon? <laughs> Speaking of our patrons, our Six O's butlers also get a shout out. So here comes that list. Big thank you to Nick, Danny Roberts, Chris C137, Andy Preston, Chris, Billy Ho, Spiderfather, Adam Shoemaker, Zachary Blader, Matt, Stephen Perkins, Bad Saturday, Justin Massaro, Dave Dalrymple, Absurd, Geokaiser, Yusufer, John Pearl, Cliff Saras, Troisef, Anthony Cars, Alec Mir, Captain Mare, Phil G. Jacques Pelletier, Alicia, aka Lishatron, Rotostorm, Stuart Webb, Amar, Laserbeak, Puma the Hunter, Vegemite Mike, Peter Hammerson, Shenry, Chris Norris, Jesse Moreno, Jackson Arwood, Yip, MKTronic, Nexus, Gemowin, Aaron Svoboda, TF Starfire, Billy Gator, Andy Gold, Jake Hoberg, Simon Elvin, Joshels, David Nabby, Misha Kidd, Michael Cagle, Cracktastic Plastic, Dan Vestator, Jeffrey Freak, welcome, and the Mapes Brothers, who you might recognise. What a list. What a list. Wow. I like how you do that without breathing. No, I actually took breathers this time, but feel free to edit them together so it sounds like one long thing. Just as one long inhale. One long maz noise. Yeah. Nose flute. <laughs> we'll call that a maz effect. Also want to say a big thank you to our sponsor for the evening. That is tfsource.com. Thank you forever as, uh, for sponsoring the pod. You can check them out at tfsource.com for all your transformers and third-party needs. And if you like Triple Takeover and you want to buy some merch, perhaps you want to buy an apron so you can go make your own croissants out of butter, allegedly. <laughs> I love the apron. This is allegedly like it's not a real thing. Unconfirmed. <laughs> I've heard unconfirmed reports of this. <laughs> Alternative truths. <laughs> but you can find all of that with your coasters, your leggings, all of your cutlery. <laughs> Don't do cutlery! <laughs> Check out no the page! There's no cutlery. <laughs> Okay, okay. But yeah, you can find that all at rebelbull.com forward slash people forward slash triple takeover forward slash explore. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter and... <laughs> don't know why you would now. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can check us out on Facebook at triple takeover or one word and Instagram and Twitter is at triple underscore takeover. Maz, where can they find you if they want to follow you on social media? On the TF Source Diaclone page. I'm at TF Square One. Sixer? I am at 6OTF on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon. And I'm Toybox Hitbox, anywhere there's an app. Thank you for joining us. And just like the toys we've repurchased, we're never going to give you up because you never let us down. We'll never say goodbye or desert you. Dessert, like a brown brownies <laughs> made from me. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
This is where you then talk about sponsors. Sponsor, yeah. And if you'd like some more cake recipes, this is a hilarious ending to an episode. <laughs> oh, you gotta laugh. <laughs> Bakers, your time starts now. Right.